a night. Uh, a rained out baseball game that every time I saw pictures of it, there's like no rain. <laughs> Conspiracy. Um, uh, Monday night football game that was supposed to be a clash of titans. What could go wrong with Chargers Broncos? The people said before the season. Russell Wilson and Justin Herbert in prime time? Surely this will be a 50-point game. No. Overtime, dreadful, painful. A, a real sweet nightcapper for yours truly who watched the Toronto Maple Leafs minus 500 favorites, which is an idiotic line. Let's be honest. Everybody, I, I love those lines. Those are my favorite lines because everyone gets to be a, a smart gambler. You know, we all get to go, that's too much. That, that's, that's crazy. <laughs> hey, minus 500, I disagree. <laughs> and anytime it hits, you look like a genius. So congrats to all of us. We're the Sharps now who said you shouldn't bet the Leafs minus 500 against the Arizona Coyotes. Arizona the first lead they've had this season was the one that they had against the Leafs. They stink. They are openly and actively trying to put a product on the ice that they hope draws 5,000 a night at old mullet arena. But they know that they probably won't. They know who they are. May as well not try. They know who they are. They stink. They're bad. They don't have really any players with talent. You saw it in that third period where the Leafs started to turn it on and really try and push after a couple of power plays. They just look completely overwhelmed. They went, oh, you guys going to play this way? Well, we, we don't know how to do that. We, we don't know how to play up to this. This is a different level than we're used to, than we were expecting. But that's the problem. The Leafs only showed up for, what, three quarters of a period? Maybe a little bit earlier. I thought Marner was good. I hate giving guys credit when it's bad team losses. But I thought that he had some real moments on the penalty kill that he had that he had a little jump that night. He seemed to care. He seemed to try to put the effort level in the rest of the team. It's really hard. It's really hard to watch them when they do that. And, and I did Leafs talk last night, you know, Sam McKee and I podcast up now it's on YouTube. Um, we're going to react to every single game, but I like my heart can't take games like that. And not even because I just like, I'm so invested. It's just, I don't want to watch that. I don't want, I kept thinking about all the people that paid significant money to go see Arizona and thought, Hey, this is guaranteed win night. We're going to go on a Monday. Yeah, sure. Work was long, but let's just get down. Let's just get down to the arena. Let's go see how things are going. And you watch them put together a performance like that. It's just dreadful. Um, and that's now two games. That's 50% of your games that you played so far this season where the effort level is just not there. So we're going to have Army on today, Colby Armstrong. And yeah, he's played with some really great players. And the thing I keep kind of coming back to with this is I know that nobody's playing all 82 the same way, okay? You're kind of an ass if you think that these guys show up for most games. Arizona Coyotes on a Monday, they're like, we got to win this game tonight, boys. This is the one. No. They're not like that. There are some dudes like Zach Hyman where I just think they can't throttle down and that's why they're fan favorites. I think Colby was a little like that too, actually, if I'm being honest. Um, 
But for the most part, yeah, stars aren't going to get up for every single game. You're going to understand that. But there is just, I can't tell if it's, I watch these guys every single night and I don't watch as much of other teams where the stars just can have those checkout games. Matthews, by the way, one even strength point so far this season. Four games, it's nothing, but it's, that quickly becomes a something, okay? Because they kind of need that dude. The whole team's sort of built around that dude scoring goals. And his whole stat is the most goals five on five since he's entered the NHL. So it'd be nice if he started to pour on five on five. Anyway, last night just sucked. You lose to Arizona. It's a boring ass game. They don't really show up for it. And the injury prone defenseman, Jake Muzzin, gets hurt. It's kind of a bit of, it was a bit of a late hit. I didn't really love the play. Um, and they had Eric Schalgren, poor Eric Schalgren in net, who played fine. He let in one bad goal, but it is a reminder of kind of where this team's at. And it's a reminder where they've been. Oh, what's that? The injury prone guy that you've leaned on who keeps getting hurt is hurt. Oh, what's that? Your goaltending that stunk and has had no depth over the last couple of years. It's game four and you're already playing Eric Schalgren. Oh, what's that? You're playing down to an opponent again and you're losing as my minus 500 favorites. Hmm. A lot of familiar feels right now, early on in the season for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Anyways, uh, let's bring in my buddy, American Citizen. Oh, it hurt me to watch. Sportsnet, and now Chicklets Plus. It's the man, the myth, the legend. Chim, 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 chimmery. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you didn't think I had that chim, chimmery loaded up, did you? I didn't show. know you had that going, but yeah, I did. I got that going. You, do you know what that was? <laughs> Who is that, Ben? Is that Ben Ennis? That's you, that buddy. Me? That's you doing your Mary Poppins impression for some reason. Yeah, I, I have like that. a full loaded <laughs> you doing Mary Poppins. I don't know why, but I had it saved in a folder here at the network. And when we were playing old clips before we started the show, I went, oh, this, is, this isn't the show. <laughs> Jim Jimmery is good. Hello, Mary yeah. Poppins. Yeah, yeah, that's it. That's the one. Hello, Mary Poppins. <laughs> Hello. Yeah, see? Yeah, you're nailing it's, that. That's an exact so you, is that what you want to do? You're just trying to stack citizenship? Like, next up, UK? Next up, you're going... <laughs> where am I going yeah. next? Yeah, exactly. You're going where to am I taking over London next? Town? Like, that's where you're headed? I love it. I'm into it. How are we doing, buddy? <laughs> Big announcements for you. Like I'm you doing just awesome. Yeah, I know. You're at the Steelers game. They're upsetting old Tom Brady and his old bones. He's done. He's basically retiring. On oh. what's your stadium called again? Though now it's not Heinz Field. It's some trash name. Acrisher. 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 Like no one can even say it yeah. right now. Where, like everyone still calls it Heinz Field. Of course. How mad are all the Yinzers about that? All the all the people out there, they're just like, what? Oh, we're not, buddy. We're not they calling were like, it that. what is this? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what they were like, eh? What is this? What is happening to our field? Man, don't it they know? A minimal blow up. Yeah, no, it was. it's stupid. It's so bad when stadiums, everybody gets it, right? I, I will say that there is a correlation to the dumb guy who gets super upset about um, ads on the jerseys, right? Because you go, who cares? Does it affect your viewing experience yeah, yeah. whatsoever? Don't you want the league to have more money? I love it when Leaf fans who keep going, the salary cap hurts our team. If they're not going up, it's hurt Kyle Dubas. And then they put milk on the jersey and they're like, this is a travesty. We can't believe that the league wants more money. It's pick a lane. You got to you gotta pick one of the lanes. You want the more money and so the Leafs have more or do you want to see sweaters without milk on them that I don't think about ever? But I do think that stadiums milk, are a little eh? different. Milk's yeah. crushing it, eh? 
Dude, Ontario milk is rich, apparently. And they want... Dude, who needs a reminder, though, on the Leafs? Like, who's ever sitting there watching a Leafs game, sees Matthews go bar down, and is like, thirsty for milk. (laughs) What some Yeah, just huge, crush a huge glass. Yeah, Yeah, and it's also 7 o'clock at night when they come on. Like, that's those are not milk hours. I guess warm milk before you go to bed for some people, but that's like a pretty... That's a pretty old move. You're not staying that's up for, for the whole babies, but that's for <laughs> that's babies, that's for, but that's for baby yeah. right now, Leaf fans at this moment in time. Hey, just tell the truth. How much are you loving this? How much did you love checking the score, seeing Leafs blew it to Arizona oh. last night? I mean, so I was working the Penguins game last night, yeah, and they were up two nothing, and and Oof. let it slip away Penguins and lose to Montreal, which. Yeah, they blew it too. It was just, it was, it was, it was not a great night for for Penguins fans and the Penguins. But I will say, I was checking the score, mm-hmm. and it was two nothing. And then it was like, whoa, man, Toronto turned it on. Okay, they woke up finally. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, because Twitter was going nuts, right? Yeah, of course. And I was checking the game. I was flipping over, checking, and I was like, holy smokes! And then you see the stats. It's like since two thousand two. Coyotes have gotten a point at least since 2002 in Toronto every single game. Is that the stat? I think mm. I think that's the stat, right? Here's the so other stat. Like, every the team writing was shows, on the yeah. wall, and it was awesome. It was kind of awesome just because. But mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's it like if you're a Leafs fan, you're going, "What the hell?" Like, have you watched the Detroit Lions uh, Hard Knocks? Yeah, it was awesome. It was awesome. It was awesome. And until I'm like, they started the season. That, yeah, until they, their team actually started playing games. <laughs> yeah. And now all of a sudden you're going, oh, yeah, right. You guys stink again. And Dan Campbell, every yeah. single post like, yeah, it's run, run a little thin. But, but, yeah, keep going. Keep going. But the I think the message that was ran through that show and, like, the energy and enthusiasm of Dan Campbell and, like, grit and, like, this and that – like, do you not like think that that could be like in the Leafs room a little bit and not necessarily it's early. It's early. It's early. I get it. I get it. I get it. Yeah, yeah. But it's like looking at the years and years and years and years of being, we're good. We're really good. Like, it's great. You know, it's great, but it's just like, what's going to come of it? Like, where's it going to be? And that's your comparison to like what you just said when you brought me on Zach Hyman to, you know, what it really takes. And like his thing was grit, just grit. And maybe a little bit of resilience and grit can should be plowed into this group. Okay, dude, this is this is the main theme of today. Maybe it's a wake up call. No, well, okay, but how many wake up calls do you need? And okay, you said it. <laughs> it's early and blah blah blah. All, we have to do all these qualifiers now, and we all do it because everybody's yeah. afraid of Twitter. They're like, oh, don't don't say anything about me, Twitter. So I'll see all the things it is. No, but <laughs> man. This core has done this for a really, really long ass time. And long time. You know, I, long time. I stole something from you, right? And we don't have to go over the origins of it, but you told me a story once that involved the saying, I just don't have it tonight, right? You know the story? I'm yeah. T- yeah, exactly. Yeah, oh yeah. And so we know that not every single game a star is going to be up for. They're not going to maybe feel 100%. There's going to be something off. It's a tough game to play. It's 82. Like, yeah, I cannot expect for guys to get out of bed every single day and perform like it's the playoffs. There's a reason why playoff hockey is different, right? And everyone yeah. loves it so much. That being said, what you said there about like the grit, this core has been together for now seven years, right? 
It's been a long-ass time of these dudes just playing hockey together on a team. I think maybe six. Either way. Oh, yeah. They've been clowned. They've been embarrassed. And I brought this up yesterday on my Leafs postgame. They have been ridiculed by the entire NHL. They've fallen flat on their face. They were so hyped. Do you remember when they were first put together and everyone went, oh, man, this could be Blackhawks 2.0, where they just rack up multiple cups with the cheap contracts and they've got the core and blah, blah, blah. And everyone, and I remember having Patrick Sharp on, and he went, please don't do that. I went, oh, sorry, buddy. Uh, didn't know that it was offending. You guys even knew. And they went, oh, we knew, and we don't like it. <laughs> and so he went, okay. He's like, let them win one time first before you start doing this. And I just feel like you guys should be a little different here. You should start the season and have two games against Montreal and Arizona where you don't just lay stink bombs and you do show a little bit of pride and you come out of the gate with a little bit more badassery and go, Hey, everybody, you think we're the same. We're not, we've grown up and we're, we're, we're going to take care of business. We're not going to coast. We're not going to just try to get back into games late. We want to take this seriously and set a tone for this season that we're going to be a different hockey team. And essentially like everything out of the gate has been the same. And I don't know what to read into that. If it should be more or less. Well, this is it. They're skilled. They're good. That's it. And they ne- and Dubis has never really addressed getting a goalie. I know. Much to do with the way he's built the team. Do you know the and guy's so name? Is, who's in that last Schalgren. <laughs> yeah, buddy. Here's what he he is. He's a, a Marley's Schalgren. You say it Schalgren? It's spelled Schalgren. Yeah, yeah, but uh, last year they called him up. He got a bunch <laughs> of games up here. He had a 888 save. Uh, yeah, it, we, we learned who he is. How many wins did he have, though? Mm, did he have any wins? Yeah, he had a couple wins. Did you hear Gretzky the other day? Yeah. Stats are for losers, bud. <laughs> oh, dude, that actually, that, that, was, that rips. Like, <laughs> that's, it's unbelievable. That's awesome. I need that drop for the show. I need that drop for whenever yeah. Blake comes on here or Ian or anybody who wants to hit me with hardcore stats. I'm, I've, been, I've been being a little bit of a stats guy lately. I, I'm kind of feeling embarrassed that <laughs> no, I feel like a huge dork. I don't, actually saw a clip of you just me. ripping stats off. It's the first yeah. thing I thought of oh, that line. Like, oh, great one. Don't, don't show it to Wayne. <laughs> you know, don't show it's it to It's like, Wayne. how many wins does he have? Like, really? Yeah. Like, that's what matters. Yeah. Well, it matters. That's yeah, I guess the Leafs did a good job of winning games, just not in the playoffs, right? Mm-hmm. So let me ask you that then. And I know that Sid is a, a different breed, right? Like that's how you get to be one of the greatest players is consistency. So I feel like it's almost a hard comparison for these guys because I don't think any of them, including Matthews, are in the Sid caliber. But Malkin was a guy that people compared to Matthews a lot. But how often with playing with those two guys did you feel like the effort level would drop, you know, to just a, a night where you coast. Is it does it just happen more regularly than we think? And how like how often does it happen with the superstars? Yeah, like I think I've noticed something and I've said this too, and it's it's managing a season and I, I, I think it's separate from being consistent. Cause, you know, I look at Sid, like he's come out, he's got six points his first two games. He got player of the week to start the NHL season. And then last night, I don't think his line or he was particularly great in Montreal. So it's like, yeah, you're going to have off nights. I get it. But there's also like, you know, this is a, this is a marathon of a season. So it's. Oh, I just lost Colby. That's the, that's the dreaded sound. The boink that (laughs) you hear that boink. (laughs) There's nobody talking to you anymore. The question is, did he lose reception or does 
big face just smash that screen and and hang it up. I'm gonna go with that one. I think it's gonna be that one. Chim yeah. chim chim chimery. <laughs> yeah. So is he back? Is that the okay? No, I thought that was the indicator that he was back. Um, again, no, it's a marathon. Do you need to be watching or regulating the marathon game four against Arizona? Maybe. Maybe that is a game where you identify and say, huh, we should be able to beat these guys no matter what. We need to maybe not go balls to the wall tonight because we should be able to get this win no matter what. But I think that's been one of the problems with the group is that they show up expecting to win. And it's just happened year over year over year with these guys to the effect of people being frustrated when this does happen. So anyway, uh, Colby's back. What'd you do? You, you... Oh, Barry, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you were you were uh, talking about is that, eh? yeah you were talking about managing the marathon. Yeah, I just think I've noticed that. Yes, the play is is consistent, but I think it's also managed correctly. And I think we even hear that now out of like teams like Tampa Bay or some of these other teams, it's like just getting to the playoffs and not necessarily like totally crushing a season because you need to be where you need to be and feel the way you need to feel once you hit the most important time of the year. And I think, you know, I've seen that out of, you know, more veteran team and veteran players on how they, how they do that. I wouldn't say it's just like they take the night off completely, but it's just like understanding that how to get through certain stretches of the year, you know, back-to-back games on the road, different things like that and how they would manage, you know, their play inside a certain parts of the season. So that's one thing I've, I think I've probably noticed in the last number of years. Now the Penguins haven't been out of the first round in a while either since they won cups. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they've hit a little bit of a snag and a wall themselves. And some of it's due to, you know, maybe poor play, but maybe bad luck too with some injuries. But, and some goaltending. Um, yeah. I watched yeah. those playoffs a couple of years ago where they just like could not yeah. get a save against the Islanders. And you just went, man. Yeah. Like, and the That's Islanders true. matchup has been a rough one for them. That's been, yeah. Uh, For since like the, since like the 90s. Yeah, I know. It's just their, that's their cursed <laughs> franchise that owns them. The Islanders just have penguins in their pockets. They're just, yeah. And so does the Coyotes have the Leafs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know who has the Leafs? Is it nuts? No, who has the Leafs in their pockets is any team that gets zero <laughs> media coverage south of the border. That's like the Floridas or the Arizonas on a weekday when they know, boys, it, people are going to know who we are now. Let's play hard. This is our playoffs. This is our Stanley Cup. And those guys show up. You probably felt it in Thrasher's games, right? It's like, who cares about oh, yeah. you guys? And then you show up in Toronto. There's not a Cameron in the building. <laughs> exactly. No You're no like, it's, there's just one camcorder in the middle of the rink like you bring to like a rec <laughs> hockey game to see, to find out actually how slow you really skate, which is the worst. Have, I, like this, you, this is something you cannot relate to at all because you were a pro athlete and you were always a stud. But for the rest of us, when we're out there playing no, sports, slow. no, you are okay. I'm not no comment. You're by <laughs> NHL standards, okay? For the rest yeah. of us, for the mortals, right? When we're out there playing hockey, <laughs> basketball, whatever, when we're playing, when we're in the zone, we're like, man, I I'm ripping it up tonight. I'm feeling amazing. And then you see tape. I would no. Then you see tape of yourself, and it's it's like, hey, 
don't show like don't show this to anybody. Show them my internet like browser this history. Is not uh, what I thought no, I looked it's, like at all. No, dude. <laughs> I'm out there playing hoops, and I think I'm like, I wonder how close I am oh to you know Derrick Rose. And then it's like, oh no, man, you're five foot ten, little white guy who's getting swatted. <laughs> like, <laughs> I would love yeah. to see some yeah. film of you playing yeah. pickup hoops. Oh, no, dude. Yeah, you would love to because I'm money. All right, you want to see points? Like, you want to see a guy just rain? That's what you're going to end up seeing. No, but it's the most humbling experience ever. It's it's truly dreadful. You, it's it's like seeing the ring. Like you can't go back. You know, you see the tape, <laughs> they put it on, and you have like a week left to live with any dignity because it's over for you. I was like, thinking that's last night when the game ended, the Leafs game or whatever, and I was like driving home mm-hmm. from the Penguins studio, and I was like, I was like, I wonder if like I was hearing um, Sheldon Keefe's comments after the game, and I was like. You know, the start hasn't been great. Like, you know, mm. some of the stars are producing like they should right now. And, you know, we're really skilled. Our skilled guys didn't play good, mm-hmm. you know, was what he said. And it's like, I wonder, like, if they're – and then maybe this is old school. I wonder I wonder if the DJs is going to be ripping tunes in practice today. <laughs> yep. <laughs> it's Ugh. like uh... – is that, is that, 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 that just there. real? Yeah. Is yeah, that that's... just real? Is that just real? Like, let's yeah. go. Yeah. Like, let's go. Well, you're you're right. There's an old school element to it. And this is, again, the stuff that I, I battle with, right, with watching this team is how much you're too close to it and whatever, seeing something over and over again. Because I thought it was corny. Who, I think it was Burke when he came in, took the stuff off the walls. No, it wasn't him. Was it Shanahan? Either way. Somebody, no, maybe Lou. Oh, I'm getting this all wrong. I've accused multiple people. Everybody's mad at me now. Um, Everyone's mad at Yeah. Somebody came into <laughs> Toronto and decided, hey, all the stuff's coming off the walls. Like the history doesn't matter. And it's like some of that stuff I roll my eyes and go, yeah, I'm sure that the Leafs never won because they saw, you know, a, a picture of Sill Apps on the wall. <laughs> you know, it's so stupid. What are you doing this for? This is nonsensical. Just leave it up. Um, but yeah, this is it, man. They, they're, there's a feeling there's always been a little bit too much comfort with these guys, um, knowing that they would always be here, that the accountability would kind of be pushed to somebody else, and a lot of that ends up happening with the fan base. Um, I think that Sheldon Keefe at times is in a tough spot because he knows, right? He's a fiery guy, and he's yeah. been fired up at multiple times, and I always wonder, man, it must be the worst for him right now because he's even saying it. Where game one, he has to tell the media, uh, yeah, I have to save my bullets for later in the season. And you go, yeah, this guy can't just be who he wants to be because he's a first-year head coach and he probably doesn't know how the room responds to him night in, night out. And maybe he does feel like yeah. he can't just be fire and brimstone. And it just, that level of comfort is, again, what I think that you saw last night where, yeah, it's the it's the DJ squad where they don't show up for two periods and they try for one. They almost get away with it. And you think... Man, it's almost better that they didn't win because had they won, they would have just gone, yeah, this is what we do. This is who we are. And that's frustrating. Yeah, the DJ squad, that's a good one. That yeah. could be a T-shirt. Yeah, the DJ squad. <sighs> they're mixing it up. Merch. Mixing it up Bonkers with the same merch. Thing. Yeah, they're mixing it up with the same thing. Hey, uh, last one on the Leafs. Um, so, I, like, I, I hate doing this, but the, the injured guy who... His former head coach goes, yeah, he's hurt all the time. And I talked to Dave Damashek, who I'm sure you know, Pittsburgh legend, who is a big Pittsburgh sports fan. Like, it's pretty weird for a goalie to leave town who's got two cups and it not feel like yeah. anybody really cares in Pittsburgh. And that was always the vibe I kind of got with Matt Murray, that everyone went, yeah, it's, it's time to move on. Like, his decline started when he was there. Um, 
the book on him was always the glove and it remained to be the glove and his injuries. And then he shows up in Toronto and the first game he plays, he gives up three goals glove side. And then he's at a morning skate um, and he just pulls his groin. And some people think, hey, maybe they put him on IR because they need to with the cap. Either way, it doesn't matter. Um, how confident are you that this guy can stay healthy and that this guy can actually be a difference maker for this team? Um, not super confident. Look, like I, I, I like him. And when he was here, he was fantastic. And to the point yeah. of like, I'll say this, like what we talked about with Gretzky before with like stats are for losers. Like he was the guy that in a, you know, two, two game gave up a couple goals that would make those like next three big saves at the right time mm. at the right time. And, and uh, on their cup runs. And that's what he was able to do. And, you know, a big guy, um, that, you know, puck seemed to just hit him and just, I mean, he was, he was really good. And then once it started to fall off, it fell off fast. And then injuries started piling up and he hasn't been able to escape it. So look, he's a really slight guy, which most goaltenders, I think for the most part are like, I remember seeing like Ryan Miller who had a really great career in his equipment. I'm like, Holy God, this guy looks like a machine. And then you see him off the ice and he's just like a regular, yeah. like, like skinny guy. It's like Christian Bale and the machinist. He's just in bones. It's <laughs> just, yeah, I was, like, I was just like, oh, my God, that's him. Yeah. Which uh, <laughs> I think some guys thought that of me, too, when they yeah. saw me. <laughs> yeah, it's no, Not definitely. so much anymore. Yeah. Let's go. <laughs> you know, you're, you're prepping I, for a I different role. I do think it was a – I do think, like, the connection with the Sioux and Dubis and mm. getting him and, uh, like – you know, after everything he's been through and like another chance and maybe it could work with the relationship, but it's like you have this, you know, Ferrari lineup, right? He put together all these forwards and then he's like, Oh, I'm going to get this guy that I, that I used to know and we're going to redo something here. But even though it's like been really bad for the last like four, three, four years, Mm -hmm. like what, what, what are you doing? It's like putting, you know, it's like him bringing his Ferrari into my garage and I, and I, you know, staple a, a spoiler on the trunk. <laughs> that is what you would do. That's your first move, eh? That's what you thought of. You're like, that's what I would do. They're like, hey, you got to change this car. Do pimp my ride to this Ferrari. And you're like, I got a stapler. <laughs> a sick wooden spoiler <laughs> on the trunk. Actually, that would be kind of sweet, though. That would be kind of sweet. It's like a, that's like a real stunt <laughs> to go, I have so much money that I'm just screwing around out here with yeah. Ferraris, you know? Like, I don't care. I'll put a wooden spoiler on it. What's it to you? I'll piss off. Actually, that well, would be sweet. the place he's left it. Man, you know why that would be sweet? Is because it would just piss off every car guy. They would see it, and they would just be on the street like, oh! You know, just so upset. And I, I, I would love pissing off car guys. That's so fun. That's the best idea you've ever had. Well, you know what, though? I should kind of take that back a little bit. It was kind of mean to Matt Murray to say that, but it's like oh. you're taking a really big risk with the lineup you have and, and what you've put your eggs into that basket and cap situation, everything to be left with, like, you know, a pretty, you know, hope and a prayer that, like, Matt can be this guy that was from, like, five, six years ago, you know? And when it was, the game was different too. And I've talked to yeah. Kevin Woodley about this and other goaltending guys. It's risky. And yeah, they just, it's too, it, that's the problem, man. It's so risky. On the most important position. Yeah. yeah. And you didn't have to do, like, this is what I hate also from people who counter this is they always go, well, what would you have done? And I go, well, one, I'm not a GM. I can have opinions on the situation. And I understand that yeah. it's hard to do, but also you shouldn't really be absolved of, 
man, this guy has had Michael Hutchinson be his backup for multiple seasons, right? Like he's he yeah. took a roll the dice on Garrett Sparks to be here, and it cost them McElhaney after he was solid. And I was actually pro Sparks because I thought, hey, maybe they developed a guy and they give him a look, whatever. He was cheaper, younger, whatever. But still, Garrett Sparks, eh. Um, Michael Hutchinson runs, and eh. they've developed zero goalies in their system. Like, they got nothing in there. Like, there is nobody. They almost played a guy named Dylan Ferguson the other day as their backup, and he signed a PTO. They're at 50 contracts. They just, like, there's no wiggle room for it. Um, yeah, yeah, Freddie Anderson, they overplayed him here to the point where he was so bitter. He came on, he chatted with me when he left for Carolina, and he was pretty open about it. Like, he was like, yeah, I played through my injuries, and it seems like... The thanks I got was you're on the bench now for Jack Campbell. We're not even going to give you a shot to win your job back or anything like that. Couldn't get right. Couldn't get healthy. Cost him some dollars in free agency. Jack Campbell walks away. He had a down season last year. Like they signed Peter Morazic to like, where does the Peter Morazic contract land among the worst ones given to goalies that are not like the Bobrovsky level ones where they just gave way too much dough over a long period of time to a guy that had a big track record, right? Like it's a bad one. It's a horrific one. And now you add Matt Murray to that list. And the fact that, again, they're a Matt Murray injury away, the injury-prone guy, from having to play Eric Schalgren in meaningful games for an entire season. It's just, yeah, it, I think it just, it's very, very fair to criticize that. Sometimes we overdo it with our criticisms or we overdo it with our protection of, like, front offices we like or coaches we like or players we like. But this is one where if this just cost them the season, I just, I just don't know how you, uh, how you overcome it. Um, Tell me about Chicklets Plus. What do you do? Like, so I just Chicklets saw it on Etc. Sit Chick. Oh, sorry, buddy. I, it's, everything here is You're plus. Right. But yeah, Chick, Chicklets Etc. You and Merley. Me and Merley, yeah, we'll do an added podcast once a month underneath those guys. And it'll just be uh, like a more broader look at the league of trends with some extra um, segments uh, built into it, just mm-hmm. with, with fun stuff and looking at certain things. And, of course, he has his big gambling ang- angle, does Merley. So it, mm-hmm. it'll be, uh, I think it'll be, it'll be easy, but it'll be fun. It'll be directly under Chicklet, so it's it's right with them underneath and and, and all through their channels. So it's uh, something. Uh, I think I've looked at doing a podcast for a number of years, but it just mm-hmm. was like ah, I don't know, I don't know. And um, you know, when they came and talked to me about this this summer, I was like, oh, this sounds pretty interesting. So. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. This weekend was crazy. They opened the weekend in Pittsburgh here. Uh, I had a bunch of friends and family in just because of the American citizenship thing. And uh, it was like a, a gong show with those guys, hockey, and then the Steelers game on Sunday. And it just like never ended. And then the hockey game last night, I've just been going like crazy. So I said, like, if I don't die this weekend, I'll never die. So... No, dude, don't say that. Now you got to be careful. I don't want you going outside today. I don't like you saying that. That that spooked me. That made me shiver. Don't worry, man. I'm not going outside today. You stay inside, though. I'm not getting off my couch. Yeah, good. I'm not getting off my couch. No, you just just tempted the gods, dude. That was was bold. I tempted the gods this weekend, man. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, but now you... So they let you off the hook for the weekend, and now you're out here bragging about it to the gods in their face? Uh, Oh, you're never going to die? (laughs) You're toast. You're done hey oh, everybody no, i hope you bad. enjoyed this uh because this is the last <laughs> time you're going to hear from colby this lights out city over here that was a, oh my god i thought that hockey players were superstitious that just scared the crap of me all right never mind uh this is your uh, with hockey no this is like your new americanness this is your new you know you get your american citizenship and now you're like <laughs> i'm bold i'm gonna live forever i'm gonna put i'm gonna jack my truck up and drive around town
town and tell everybody about it. That's what you've become. That's what you've become. This no, is your American come side. On. Yeah, it's true. You I know. love it. Man, I'm stoked for I love it. I'm just, I'm stoked for Chicklets, et cetera, because one, I think you and those guys are great. Like every time I see you, like you've always kind of felt like the uh, the extra guy. And that was like the origin story of it was it was supposed to be you. So it's just yeah, like your rightful place is with those guys. I think that, you know, you're a great storyteller. You got tons of stuff. Those guys just have incredible chemistry with you. Uh, I like Murley. I think he's been a great addition to, to that entire group. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm proud of you that you're even doing it, buddy. Like, if I'm being honest, like, because I know that for a while, like, you had your reservations about podcasts, that you always wanted to do one. But, yeah, it can be kind of strenuous and, and tough. And, yeah, I just yeah. think that you've taken on, like, a totally different part of your podcasting career and that this is going to be huge. Like, there's just going to be more of you doing this. Yeah, I think, it's, I, think it's a, I think it's a good move. It was great. Like, you know, the, all those guys, they all play, they, I, all, I started with them in Wilkes-Barre and Pittsburgh, right? So yeah. they're all, like, Penguins guys. It's funny yeah. how it's all kind of worked out that way. And, you know, to have them all back here, like, when you do the, do the podcast, it's like, everyone just stays at home and does it from their house kind of thing, right? Yeah. So. You know, to be, I try to get people in studio. Here. It's it's just it's hard. Yeah. It's hard because everybody's so yeah. comfortable now. They're like, nah, I got the equipment. And no, like, it's no, awesome. so much better being around uh, people. Seeing them, yeah, like seeing them again, hanging out with them this weekend, and um, you know, we did a live event, and then they they had some other events. I had to work certain games. Man, I got to do between the benches for the Pens game. It was I hilarious. I, I saw somebody unhook you. Like, was it Gensel? Yeah, I got. <laughs> yeah, I got like all tangled up. Like I hog tied my one leg behind yeah, me and like my shoe pants are kind of tight because like that's the style, right? Oh, yeah. And no, was, that's like, what you really said. It's a style. It's a style. Yeah, no, it's this, that's why they're tight. Uh, <laughs> well, not Styling. around the waist, but yeah. just around like the thighs. And yeah, stuff. yeah. Uh, and like, anyways, I hog tied my one leg. I literally could not get into a position with the way I was like in a hurdler stretch almost. Yeah. Like my back leg was like completely knotted and Gensel just like whoop, 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 unlooped yeah. <laughs> me so I could get an interview with it was hilarious saved my life yeah oh saved that's my so life good. so you know he's just I like had, uh, look at this bozo work mixed with fun well a lot of work mixed with fun this weekend yeah. it was it was really good I'm looking forward to chicklets etc can't wait to get it going he's just looking at you like we're gonna give citizenship to this guy he can't even the <laughs> 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 really, country's going to hell boys. can't even navigate yeah. a microphone wire <laughs> This is the this is the standard for entry. The guy who can't walk hey. forward without getting tangled up. <laughs> you don't have kids yet, but it's yeah, like you open ever. up your kid's backpack and their uh, and their headphones and their. It's like how did you get these <laughs> this many knots in the headphone cord? Yeah. But uh, that's uh, like what is so that was me in there. Yeah, yeah it's it, a broadcast. It hilarious. Um, before you go, because I'm not going to talk to you about it before you and I love decoration talk. Uh, what are you doing for uh -huh. Halloween? Oh, I don't know, buddy. You don't I have no You're leaving clue. it last minute? You got no, like nothing's oh, uh, up? I'm going last minute. You're not, there's no pumpkins acquired yet? Like it's the 18th. We have, what do we have? We have something in our front yard, like a couple <laughs> blow up goats that are plugged <laughs> okay. into don't a thing know. right now. That's You're what like, we have. Oh, there's something around there. I don't know. Mel did it. I see. Yeah, my <laughs> wife put them up the other day. I don't know what they are. I didn't yeah. see them. I, I look at them and I did, like, it doesn't glue into my brain, you yeah. know, this brain of mine. But now but, you're uh, fully like, the kids, they're, like, this is just, this is my favorite holiday as a kid, even more than Christmas. Like, candy. Really? Oh, dude, I loved oh, Halloween. I but then, can't but stand Halloween. the thing that sucked the most about Halloween, though, was. 
because you can only do it till you're like 12. I, I still laugh. I still laugh to this day because I remember Elliot Freeman had in one of his 32 thoughts that he did it till he was like 18 and he was like, I love it. I stand by it. And I was like, no, you can't do that. You can't show up <laughs> 18, funny. Elliot, with your costume, 17 with your costume, trick-or-treating, getting O. Henry's at the door. Like, nobody, <laughs> no. And But I was heartbroken when I found that out. Like, I remember being all stoked up for Halloween and going out to the fellas being like, hey, we doing Halloween? And they went, no, man. And in our small town, too old. Yeah, we were like 13, 12, or somewhere in that range, and I wanted to go. And all my buddies were like, absolutely not. And we used to have in our small town just groups of older dudes that would roll around with uh, paintball guns. And if they saw anybody that looked too old trick-or-treating, they would just light you up. And so you couldn't do it. Like, it was just done. And I remember I, the older I hated kids that. in my neighborhood, if you were older, if yeah. you were the kids that went around and saw the, like, saw, like, the kind of minimally older kids also. Yeah. And, like, would just steal their, their pillowcase yeah. full of candy. Yeah, like, that happened too. Done, and then yeah. you're like, oh. <laughs> you're like, oh, God, yeah. there it is. There's <laughs> there all my was... night's work. Oh, God. Man. I, I always went out with a pillowcase thinking this is the yeah. year where I fill this. Never more than like fill a quarter. This. Like never. <laughs> never yeah. once. I lived in the you're Yukon, man. Houses. Like, Mama, like, yeah. Mama, hot chocolate. It's cold yeah, out. No. They're I, like, you're, they're, she's like, JD, you're 14. Get it yourself. Man, I wanted to. I wanted to. I was ride or die, trick or treater, man. I was ride or die. I'm I wanted more of a Christmas. No. Get me into Christmas season and I go haywire. I just get love the decorations. I love like, like, yeah. The warmness and like friendship and f- people coming over <laughs> and like boozing and yeah. eating and all that stuff. Listen, I like it too, but as a kid, I didn't like Christmas as much because I hated the pressure of opening gifts in front of people. It's the worst. It gives me anxiety still to this really? day. Man, opening presents, people, like especially my mom, right? I love my mom to death. Like she's just, she's my, like she's my mom. I'm a mama's boy. Wow. Like hands up, like hands up mama's boy. And she puts so much thought into her gifts every year, right? Like just, you know, she's starting Christmas, like the second Christmas ends. She's like, all right, we're on to new Christmas. You know, like she's battling. She's out there in the trenches for an entire year trying to figure things out. And like the whole week lead up to Christmas, knowing my mom's going to give me some gift. And I've tried to weasel my way out of gifts forever. I've been like, let's start a family vacation fund. Let's just put money in. Let's like limit the gift amount. Yeah, all these. a great idea. I know, man. It is a great idea. And then COVID happened and screwed it all up. You know, like everyone's like, we're not going anywhere ever again. <laughs> I was like, great. There goes the vacation fund <laughs> idea. Sweet. But Well, I know I, how you feel. Maybe deep down I have your same thing because I'm not a presence guy or I a party guy. Ugh. Like. Really, like my birthday, I don't care about it at all. Like, no. let's just go. Let's just go buy it. I don't need anything. Like, if I get a couple wishes, thanks. Yeah. Um, and then Christmas, I don't need gifts. I no. don't need. I just want to be around it. Same. And, like, be with my family. I just want to have Bailey's and coffee and sit around yeah. and have nothing to do yeah. and then get a little yeah. like day drunk, then switch over to a couple beers and then all of a sudden yeah. be well, into you like smell the food cooking. Yeah, yeah, and just watch basketball all day and gamble and yeah. lose all kinds of money and. Yeah. Be like, holy crap, how am I oh. down like thousands of dollars after Christmas? Buddy, it wasn't good. Come gifts. to my house for Christmas. Yeah. This sounds like we're just going to hang out all yeah. day. No, I'll run that by the mom I love so much. That I'm sure. She's like, yeah, sure, sure, go ahead. Don't <laughs> yeah. worry. I love, I love picturing your wife, just me showing up, like, hey, I'm just here to get drunk on Christmas in front of your kids. She's like, welcome. <laughs> hey, like, Cruz. everyone's in the basement. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, I love it. All right, buddy. Well, even if you don't love Halloween, I'm still wishing you happy Halloween. Uh, hopefully we uh, we get you on soon. I want to do this more often. 
Yes, I agree. Uh, uh, thanks for having me. Thanks for the well wishes and congrats to you on your show, buddy. Thanks, Love pal. it. Thanks, You're bro. Awesome. Oh, look at us. Just can't you know, wait to ripping see up you shows. Again. Yeah, absolutely, buddy. Uh, Colby Armstrong, American citizen and uh, Chicklets, etc., which I wrote down Chicklets Plus because I have all the pluses on my brain from this station. Anyway, quick break and then let's come back. The Broncos are doomed. Always fun catching up with Colby. Made my mood a little bit better after last night's sports. Big flop night. Woof. Leafs egg laying. And then I finished Leafs talk. Sammy and I. I'm pissed. Yarn crock. Stupid penalty. I don't care if the guy didn't hold on to his stick. You're 200 feet from your own net. You're buzzing. Don't take a penalty. Just be disciplined. No. And and I'm a big yarn crock guy, but that was that was a tough one. Um, and then the Leafs talk finishes, and I go, oh, sweet. Get to watch some football. Did hit my bet, Joe. Like, once again, dominating, absolutely crisping this segment. Another win in the column for old JD, the under. I told you, I didn't expect a lot of points. I didn't like either offense. And I said, what I say, I love this Broncos defense. I love Sertan. I expected him to shut down Mike Williams. Some of you who listen to this maybe paired Mike Williams with the under. And then you're rich. Like I am. Although I did get, I did, I did have a Leafs bet that lost. It wasn't on the Leafs. I live bet an under and yeah, it popped on that empty netter with 10 seconds. I was a little sour, especially since at least I thought it popped on Morgan Riley's hand pass. That wasn't a hand pass. That was a bit of a joke of a call, but man, go watch this game. And I don't normally do this, but I, I turned it off in overtime and then I turned it back on because that's my sickness. I, <laughs> I have sickness, but I did turn it off. There was a moment where I just went, I don't, I just, well, who cares? Both these teams suck, but I have two takes quickly before we do time for action. Um, number one is just, there's no salvaging the Broncos. Like it's done. Their defense is incredible and they have to be so, so, so choked at Russell Wilson. Like he already has one defensive unit that hates his guts. And that's the Super Bowl winners in Seattle. That core, not for Russell Wilson. Although Richard Sherman, little, mm, you know, do, does a lot of tweeting and then Russ sees him on Thursday Night Football and he's like, what's up, man? How we doing? You know, to his face. Thought that that was a little, eh. Come on, Sherm. Like, if you're going to stand on that block, like, stay there. Don't, don't be just chumming it up with Russ like, oh, you're doing great. I'm so proud of you and the Broncos. And then after the game finishes, you're doing the whole PTSD thing. I thought that was pretty lame. I think if you're going to say something, like, say it to somebody's face. Um, or at least be prepared to. But yeah, the defense is elite. I think that's one of the best five defenses in the NFL. Like their front seven is nasty. They generate a ton of pressure off of even just three-man rushes. They're fast. Their secondary is loaded. And Sertan, again, is just an eraser. He's just, he's, he's Revis, where you put him on whoever the top receiver is, and they're going to have a bad game. They're just going to go away. He's, he's probably the best cornerback in the NFL. I, I don't think that there's anybody better than him right now, this moment. Nobody, nobody's better. Nobody. Like I said, tweet me, whatever. Do your thing. He's no one's better than Pat Sertan. And no one you'd rather have at that position for the next five years. No question. Not, in, not even Sauce, who I love. 
that defense is loaded and the Broncos can't do a damn thing on offense. You know, they start that game and I didn't see it because I was watching Leafs. I didn't see the first half, but you know, they're moving the football game script time. Hack it. He's doing his thing. Um, from halftime on, Russ was three of 11 for 13 yards and finished with negative yards on passing plays. 13 yards. The game went to overtime. This is a pro bowler. This is a guy that you threw two first and two seconds for. And not to mention some like actual, I don't know how much we value Noah Fant, Drew Locke they had to take. Seahawks claim they won him or whatever. Either way, this is a guy that was the most coveted addition to your team since Peyton. And he can't get more than 13 yards and a half. And yeah, the Chargers have a solid defense, but they've been scored on a ton this year. A ton. And they have an amazing kicker in Brandon McManus where they had so many chances to just, hey, get McManus in field goal range. Give him a shot to win this sucker. Give him a 60-yard field goal so that the Broncos can walk this off. Can't do it. Can't get them in range. Can't get the passing attack going. There was a third and one in that game where it's just, Russ, you, you just need to make a simple completion over the middle. You can't do it. Can't see over the middle of the field. And he just, he looks like a guy that you have to manage a game for. He looks like a guy who is just completely finished. And, and I can tell you that his corniness is definitely going to impact that room. If he's corny and sucks and they invested a bunch in him, you think that defense is riding? Like when they hear him do his let's ride Broncos County or when he's doing his sandwich commercials talking about being dangerous, you think that, the fellas are going, yeah, that's our quarterback. Or you think they're rolling their eyes and going, oh, that's our quarterback. Hmm. Anyway, if I'm a Broncos fan, it's a five alarm fire. It's done. Um, I, I cannot remember a quarterback who has, this is wild. Tom Brady's having the worst unretirement of any great player I can ever remember. And Russell Wilson's having the worst showing up in a new place after a trade. Uh, and signing $250 million extension. <laughs> new owners, the new owners. I don't care. You guys are rich enough to buy a football team. You can afford to lose 250 mil. I guess, I guess, I'm guessing they don't feel good about that, though. I don't think that they're watching from their new owner suite as their team struggles to put up 13 points going. We're so stoked to own this team. Anyway, um, the other thing is, I don't know what's up with the Chargers, uh, but that game was extremely ugly for them. And I get it, Sertan, I said he's the man, but... Justin Herbert didn't throw down the field. Eckler had something like 13 targets in that football game. Like I like Eckler too, but there's a reason why I'm holding on to Josh Kelly stock in my fantasy leagues is because he's not holding up to that workload. Like that's going to break somebody 13 checkdowns, bro. Look down the field. He could have won them the game on that final drive. Gerald Everett's down there like 15, 20 yards down the field on an out route. And he's just like, not even looking at him. He's trying to go back to the check down. I don't know if it's the ribs. I don't know if it's just that that defense is really good, but ugh, I, Herbert scared me a little bit last night, how little he wanted to look down the field. A guy that's supposed to be one of the faces of the league. Mm. We'll see. Anyway, it's time for action presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Download the DraftKings app to get in on the action. You got to be 19 plus and be in Ontario, Ontario only. Please play responsibly. Joe Bosch. Um, Tuesday line that sticks out to you. 
The Atlanta Falcons plus yeah, six too. against the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, do you also have the Falcons? No, I had them on my list though. I oh, have yeah. I have a bunch of them that I that I write down early in the week. Mm-hmm. So, but the Falcons, the, like I said, the whole point of this segment is what catches your eye and makes you go, "Huh, that's yeah. not what I would have guessed." I wouldn't have guessed Falcons plus six the way that they're playing and the way that they're rolling. Yeah, they're six no against the spread. Only mm-hmm. the third team in the last twelve years to do that in the first six weeks. Yep, they don't get blown out. Mm-hmm. Their average loss margin is only 3.6, and that's against the Saints, Rams, and the Bucks. Mm-hmm. Granted, those aren't world beaters, but, I mean, only 3.6. They, they, they're seventh in the NFL in scoring. They got 16 total touchdowns. It's going to be a close game. Granted, Bengals might win, but the Falcons are covering plus six. That's a whole touchdown. Yeah. Um, there's a couple for me. Um, I like the Chiefs minus three. It, that's a really, like, chalky pick, but... Like early on, that stood out to me that they're only three point favorites against the Niners team because of the stat that I mentioned yesterday, which mm-hmm. is Kyle Shanahan teams do not come back being nope. down big deficits. They, they, they've been down by seven or more 25 times with mm-hmm. Kyle Shanahan in charge. They've lost all 25 games. Yeah. And the, if the Chiefs are up in this game, I just, I think that the Chiefs can blow them out. I don't think that the Niners will get back in it. I don't think that they have the formula to get back in it. And so I think that that one stuck out to me. Um, I actually also, this is a pretty big line, but Cowboys minus seven at home against the Lions. Here's the case. Jared Goff sucks against pass rush. This is like the book on Jared Goff is he cannot hold up when he's pressured. He's a good quarterback when he has time in the pocket. And when he doesn't, he's a turnover machine. And Micah Parson pretty good at rushing the pasture. I've noticed that's just my take. I know a lot of people don't agree with that, but that's what I feel. That's how I feel about football. It's Micah Parsons, pretty damn good at it. I just think like the Cowboys are going to live in the backfield, and this dude's going to turn the rock over, and that uh, this could be Cowboys blowout. They just lost to the Eagles. Sure, it's a. I, I think that Dak is going to be back in this game. Maybe they air it out. Maybe they just pile up some points. That that Detroit defense is like horrendous, horrendous, horrendous. So I don't know. That just stuck out to me where I thought, huh, you know what? I thought that this might be a little bit more than seven. I could have guessed that this would have been closer to ten, ten and a half. And so yeah, I. Uh, the Cowboys line stuck out to me too. Um, lastly, too, I'll give one extra bonus one. G-men are hot. They're rolling. They're riding. I know that uh, Jacksonville is at home, and that's where they're better, Duval County. But uh, sorry, Blake Murphy. I don't know. I just the I like, vibes. I like the other New York team too. The, the vibes. Denver. Yeah, the vibes. Oh, I didn't see a line for that yet. Yeah. So the the Jets it was it plus up. two this morning, and it just moved to two point five. Uh, Jets being the underdogs yeah. against Denver. Which I was surprised about. Yeah, I might do a little double dog dip, New York double dog dip this weekend. It's sauce season. Down. Yeah, although I don't know. Is he healthy? We'll see. Um, quick break. Let's come back. And long preview of this NBA season. We're here. One of the most wonderful times of the year. Um, drama teams, sleeper teams, Raptors outlook, all that and more. With Sirit Zoe of The Ringer. That's next. Very pleased to be joined by the incredibly talented Sirit Zoe of The Ringer. Uh, NBA season is here. Time for me to make a bunch of horrific predictions. And just time for me to make fun of you for all of them. I'm so excited. Yeah, I I do like that. I love when we actually get to catch up. Um, I don't really ever want to look back on those discussions though. Cause I feel like my hit rate on takes that I have before the season are like 99% wrong. Uh, this year though, I'm feeling inc- incredibly confident. Oh, that's That's great. That'll probably change everything. Uh, yeah. 
No, honestly, though, I feel like that is just how it goes with predictions. Um, we're all wrong about everything all the time, which is why it's great that there's a season. We actually get to see what plays out, and it's very dynamic and unpredictable, which is the reason we're all employed. So it's it, it's cool. I like uh, I don't love being wrong. Um, I actually hate it, but uh, I accept it as an inevitability. <laughs> I know that I hate being wrong so much that even just part of my sports fandom now is rooting against things that will make me wrong, you know, like just mm. sitting there going, please don't let me be wrong about this. Like, even if this makes for a better story for everyone or a fan base, whatever, uh, I'll catch myself at times rooting for my take more than anything else. I, I think that's like the ultimate sign of, I don't know what, but it's not good. Like, it's just, it's not good. It's not, it's yeah, not a good I, character trait. Man, I hate to admit this, but like, I think ever since I started covering the NBA and I got to the place where people started like sending me my wrong predictions afterwards, that's when I was like, uh, uh-uh. uh, yeah. nope, okay, yeah. we're rooting against everyone. <laughs> but, it, but then I had to stop because it's not fun when you when you look at things that way because mm-hmm. it's actually it's actually pleasantly surprising to be wrong about things that you thought were going to happen. I like when yeah. I'm wrong about something that I can learn from. I don't usually find that I'm wrong and it learned much about uh, whether or not I think the Cleveland Cavaliers can win the title this year. Like, I, I don't know if I'm going to learn too much from that about myself. Okay, mm-hmm. but in, in preparation, you know I like my kind of half-baked ideas. And I, I didn't mm-hmm. even text this one to you because I was sort of fleshing it out this afternoon even. But over the last couple of you know weeks as I've been trying to get a little bit more into NBA and, and really focusing, because like, I'm not a big summer league guy. I pay a pretty passing interest. Usually the last couple of weeks before before the season, once uh, training camp starts up, that's when I'll really start to refocus things after, you know, free agency, which I love, and the draft, which I love. But then the NBA kind of goes away. But for the last couple off seasons, it hasn't felt like the NBA went away because there was so much drama, right? And even mm-hmm. this year, it, it lingered for a while with all the Kevin Durant and the Brooklyn stuff and what was going to happen there, and we had storylines. But for the last couple of weeks, and maybe even just like the last month, it's sort of been quiet. And I was thinking about, as I'm looking at the list of who's changed teams and who's done what, that there there really wasn't too much. Like, the Jazz sold off Gobert and Mitchell, and, you know, people mocked one move and celebrated the other. And then after that, it was like the Jalen Brunson sweepstakes. We had Harden stay, we had Beal stay, Dame signed an extension and kind of quieted any rumors that he would end up leaving Portland. The KD and Kyrie situation sort of gets ironed out. And, I, okay, this is I'm trying not to be too much of a prisoner of the moment, but do we actually feel as though this was like the summer of player empowerment changing to a degree? Mm, that's a good question. Um, I have to, well, we, we have to immediately go to the next situation if we're thinking about it that way, right? Uh, you know, Kevin Durant, basically, he demanded a trade. He demanded that Steve Nash and, and Sean Marks be fired. He, I don't know if he demanded that his, his buddy Tyree Irving get an extension, but I imagine that he was, uh, you know, would be, I think he would have half demanded it. Things. Like, hey, you better do this for right him, away, guys, yeah. when Kyrie was around. And then when he left, he's like, hey, just whatever. <laughs> it's fine. It's cool. Whatever you guys want to do. Yeah. Right, 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 right. Like, as soon as he leaves the room, he's just like, yeah, it's fine. Um, yeah, yeah. I get it. Um, yeah, so when you look at that situation, I think it's, like, pretty obvious that, you know, Durant kind of tried to push things to it, its upper limit. And I think he found it, right? And the Nets basically said, or Joe Sy basically tweeted, hey, we support these guys. He, he uh, you know, he kind of punched back a little bit. And 
you know, to their credit, they also, it seems like they sorted things out pretty amicably. They needed to have some conversations that they had and maybe things will be okay. But I mean, I'm, I'll have my finger on the pulse with the net season for sure, because there's a lot of moving parts there. They could be really good. Um, or they could just totally combust and like all this, you know, the, the trades, the firings and all that stuff could just happen later down the line in the season. I'm not sure if what's going on there is sort of an uneasy alliance or a genuine sort of, you know, att- attempt to make things work. We'll see. Uh, but I, the way that, you know, the way that we're all analyzing Westbrook, like in all of his motions, like it's like those are Bruder film. I, I wonder if uh, we'll, we'll start doing that with the Nets at some point soon. Oh, I will 100% be doing it with the Nets. And I I guess that kind of brings me to that, which is which of the drama teams are you most interested in? So you obviously Mm. get the Nets. Like the Nets are just, you know, they're the the title. They're the belt holders, right? Like they tried to carry it into the offseason. The Lakers, because of the rust. And I'm sorry, like I'm as, again, when we talked about takes where I wanted to be right, I can't help. Like I'm reading your article on Westbrook. And the entire time, I'm just like, the Westbrook thing was fine. You know, like, I'm, I'm okay with that. He was terrible last year. I kept waiting for the Westbrook take to come around. So I do feel bad in the sense of I kind of rooted for this moment, this reckoning with Westbrook. But, yeah, the body language stuff already, that's, that's perking up there. Or three, I'm shocked that they're in this contender status, but it's not like they haven't been there before. I don't know if it's actually like the Warriors, like we call the Warriors situation drama, or we just call it the Draymond team mm-hmm. or the Draymond situation but of those three which one are you most interested to see how it plays out Ooh, that's a good question um I am probably the most interested in the net situation because of the combustibility and the potential uh mm-hmm. if you look at the Lakers if they sort things out with Westbrook let's say he comes off the bench he did in the preseason game then he got hurt um and AD is healthy, and LeBron is healthy. I still have a lot of doubts about how that team fares in the Western Conference just because of the guys around them. They do have more defense, but they have no spacing. Like, Pat- Patrick Beverly is their, is their best shooter. Outside. Like that's, He's the only guy that's shooting above, like, 37%, and I think LeBron is probably the best shooter after that. Um, and, and Pat Bev is not exactly – like, he, he's not a marksman, right? Like, he's a good shooter, but there are times when he won't be giving you everything you need. Like, you'll say you'll stay off of him if you absolutely need to. So I look at that roster construction, and I say even in the best circumstances, I don't necessarily think that this is a team that is going to be able to contend with the Clippers or the Warriors, who I'm also interested in because, I mean, it's, it's the Warriors, right? Like, can I swear on the radio? Yeah, you can. You can. Well, okay. it's not radio. This is podcast, and so it's recorded. So you can do whatever you want. There you go. Just oh, through oh, it. right. Okay. Let's keep let's keep it moving, man. Um, yeah, I'm really interested in the Warriors, just because. I mean, this is the team that has been sort of the, the kings of being able to not the Sacramento Kings, like the literal kings of being able to handle different sort of personality clashes. Uh, you know, like we were talking on our podcast last week about the Warriors, and I kind of likened it to to the movie Inside Out. Have you seen Inside Out? Of course. It's great. But one of the best movies ever. I was I watched it with uh it was actually oh man, this this was like this is a moment full of pathos. I watched it with like my with my younger niece and she's now old enough to kinda understand why this would be such an emotional moment, but I watched it with her at an age where to her it was just a movie. It was like, oh yeah, like all cute characters. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And like, oh, like we, I hope they don't fall off the cliff and stuff. 
Meantime, I am an emotional wreck. I am thinking about, like, <laughs> you know, sadness and anger and happiness and how we need all of these different dynamics in our lives. And we need to, you know, kind of res- respect the existence of, of each of them within ourselves. And she, just, I, I just turned to her and she was like, good movie. Yeah, and I'm just like, mad, mad, yes, oh my God. <laughs> like, I, I'm, I was so... I was so happy for her that she just like, she was still in that place of just like total youthful innocence where she didn't really understand any of these things yet. Um, I'll check, check in on her about that. But to that point, yeah, I think the Warriors have always really balanced their personality dynamics really, really well. And I think that's what's made them one of the most interesting and inspiring teams of the last decade. Um, they just, you know, they have Curry sort of, niceness and his ability to understand different perspectives of everybody else around. I think Bob Myers and Steve Kerr are great with that too. Clay Thompson is just totally zen. Then Draymond gives him that edge. He is like the anger element of it, right? And the way that they have always kind of made space for that to exist has really benefited them. But like obviously he pushed it way too far with the with the pool thing, right? Like you can't you can't punch people. I'm you know <laughs> I was watching them play together against Denver in their last preseason game, and it was kind of like, oh, yeah, he is setting screens for him. But, like, there isn't, like, I don't know. We'll see what kind of happens with that. I have a little bit more faith in them figuring it out. Um, I also think that they're really good regardless. They've, out of all the preseason teams, they have had probably the most interesting or, like, the most impressive showings from their young players. Like, Kaminga has been incredible. James Wiseman's been really good. Moody's been really good. And that was my big question, kind of, when this Draymond thing, stuff started happening. Like, will they really be able to replace him? And I'm not saying you can replace his playmaking or his defense or his intensity in just the way that he understands that system. That Those are really unique properties that he brings. And I'm one of the people, like, I'm a, I'm a Draymond fan. I think that he brings a ton to the game. I think they would lose a lot. And I think they, they need each other right now. But I think that the emergence of those other guys kind of puts a tighter leash on him too and it seems like he wants to make it work as well so I kind of I have faith that that one will sort itself but but obviously we'll all be paying attention to that the Nets though the Nets Mm -hmm. oh my god like I I have no idea what's going to happen there you have no idea what's going to happen there none of us knows anything but I will say from what I've seen in the preseason Ben Simmons looks good he flows so seamlessly into that offense. He, you know, he's rebounding. He is making these easy look-ahead passes. They look really dangerous on offense when when the three of them play together. You know, Kyrie Irving for all of like we we talk about Kyrie Irving off the court so much, and we have gotten to see him play so little that we've forgotten that he is truly one of the most scintillating and exciting scorers ever. Um, one of the best top shot makers ever. And then there's Kevin Durant, who I don't need to tell anybody about. Uh, That team could, if you told me that team was going to the finals in June, I'd be like, okay. If you told me they didn't make the playoffs, I'd be like, okay. There is nothing that would shock me about that team at all, which is why I think they're definitely the one I'm going to be paying the most attention to. Okay, so I, I'm lockstep with all of you, or, or with all of this. One is the the Lakers-Westbrook thing is interesting to me, and I, I think the body language thing is fun. Um, I also think if we're going to rank the, the most combustible live, um, Westbrook versus Beverly on a sideline feels like it's, it's just going to happen, right? Like, we're going to get that someday, and it's going to melt down Twitter, and it's going to be a really fun night for all of us. Um, 
the Warriors still feel like the team like with the most to lose because they are this infrastructure. Also, I I really need to tell you that you made Jordan like you said that Draymond is anger, but now I will forever see Jordan Poole as sadness because whenever Aww. well, it's true. I just pictured him as the blue eyes. sadness because yeah. he got so embarrassed, and it's just he has to wear that forever. And I'll always picture Draymond Green at that podium saying, "I'm sorry to his family." I'm like, yeah, he's an NBA player who would just had this incredible season and came out of essentially nowhere, and now everyone's going to be kind of watching him with the "Are you okay?" You know, that right. that is going to be hanging over him, which I can't stand. Um, I agree with you, but the Warriors young players, it's a it's an incredible developmental system. And now here's all these guys, Moody and Kaminga. And we, we kind of forgot that they drafted Wiseman. He's just this, oh, he's around. What is he going to be? Is he going to be here? So they have pieces that can come up. I just don't know if they're like, nobody's replacing the elements that you mentioned with Draymond. But does that remain sustainable? I'm with you. I think the infrastructure is going to be okay. It's probably not as combustible as maybe some of us even want it to be because we love drama in our sports. But mm-hmm. with his contract situation and how things played out with him and Kevin Durant where he started to like demand answers from him midseason, I-, I do wonder if some of that is going to crop up in the middle of the year and if those like old wounds that have been created either through this past offseason or whenever – like they pop up with the Warriors. And it's like, mm-hmm. do they have a threshold for Draymond being Draymond to the degree that they have in the past? Or do they go, we, we can't have a year of Steph's prime or a year of whatever Clay ends up being this season after being removed from the injury. Do we have the same patience level for it? And so like, that's what I, I can't wait to sort of see is, is how he plays out in the season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I feel you. I think that's, I think it's going to be ongoing with, with uh with all those guys it's uh i don't know it's it's interesting because there's just you know there's so many moments that happen in a season that we can't really necessarily predict and especially with like different you know kind of human dynamics going on i i do feel like the warriors kind of did a smart thing by making sure pool and wiggins were both extended i think it's also like one of the most surprising moves that wiggins took a pay cut but that definitely helps him but now it does kind of it does kind of put all the onus and the pressure back onto Draymond. You know what I mean? Of course. He's he's there. He's the guy that is not a part of all of this moving forward. And I just don't know how that's going to sit well with him and how mm-hmm. it can end up, you know, just kind of pivoting that locker room when he has been always described as the heartbeat of the the energy, the anger, mm-hmm. the edge of the Warriors. Like, whether that edge is going to take a turn and, and what the move is. Because, like, if things go poorly, right, in those other two situations, we know what the moves are. Like, Kyrie goes away. <laughs> like, Kyrie, mm-hmm. or maybe even Steve Nash gets fired is one of the levers that they end up pulling there, right? Maybe Kevin Durant does get to execute a trade demand if things just continue to go south. There's at least things that we can see. I don't know mm-hmm. how the hell the Warriors would get out of a situation where Draymond it goes nuclear on them. And he just demands, like, I want to be extended now or I'm going to be a problem. Like, I don't know what you do. He's a part of the Warriors. The Nets thing, I though. I also think that, like, it would open up one of the more interesting conversations that I think us NBA nerds are, have been having against the casuals for a long time. Uh, not to generalize too much. Is? But just, the, the, yes, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Because yeah. then it becomes... It becomes the rest of the league. Then, if if Draymond becomes available, which he has never actually, 
I've, I felt like he's never actually been. I'd be really curious. And, you know, he's aging and there are concerns. And, you know, he's obviously coming off punching sure. somebody in the face. Like his trace value is not. <laughs> I like to picture that, that as like his like, his, like uh, hinge profile where it's like coming off of punching someone in the face, aging. But it's fine. I, I do have a good track record. I've got a good resume. There's some good stuff here, too. Uh, I just, yeah, I, I really want to see how it plays out. I do think that they're fascinating. I just, I guess I do trust that infrastructure so much. And I fi- I just feel like, yeah, they are all going to be able to find a way to make it work. And that even with Draymond, that he will know that he doesn't want his legacy with the Warriors to be spiked. He has to have at least some measure of, you know, self-preservance where he wants to make sure that this is all okay, that he's an attractive free agent, all those different things. I'm optimistic right. about the Nets. Like, I know you said no one can see how it plays out, and I, of course, how could you say that it goes from what it was? But I just looked at all their off-season moves and went, huh, I like that. Like, I I like everything they did. Uh, I don't like losing Bruce Brown. That's no good, even though he ends up going to a, a team where I really like him. But the pieces seem to fit, and if TJ Warren can stay healthy, that's just like another guy who I think everyone always likes whenever he's on a team. They just... <sighs> This feels like to me um, part of the reason Kevin Durant came back was not just that he lost the leverage, but that he looked around and was like, you know what? This actually is a pretty good basketball team. Kyrie and I can make it work if we can get on the same page. Like, we could be title contenders. I really don't think that Mm -hmm. it's far-fetched to see them in an Eastern Conference Finals. I just just think that it's going to be the same thing with the Beverly... Westbrook thing where every single time they go to the huddle and Steve Nash is there we're going to be analyzing it and just staring at what Kyrie's body language is and what KD's body language is. but it's just like if they can get out of the gate okay I really do think they're going to make it and they're going to be real contenders yeah and I think then the question kind of turns to well if you look at that front line what do they really have because uh, the other end of this is like my so my pick to, to make the finals is going to be the Bucks. Uh, and yeah. that's because even in, even in the best case scenario for the Nets, like we saw what he did to them two years ago. And I think they're even thinner now than they were then. Like you don't love letting Bruce Brown go. DeAndre Jordan, as much as, you know, we've kind of gone around the bed making fun of him. Jeff Green is gone. Like those guys can just like suck up valuable time and, and minutes on, on Giannis. Like Blake Griffin for, you know, two or three games had Giannis figured out until Giannis figured him out. Like those are sort of the chess matches within the playoffs where the more guys that you have to throw at somebody – the better chance that you have to like, like kind of kind of slow them down. You're not going to. Isn't this Ben Simmons's redemption arc though? Like, isn't this Ben Simmons' redemption arc? Don't we remember a couple of years ago? Yeah, like there was a couple years ago where they had that budding rivalry. It felt like it was going to be Nets, or sorry, it was going to be the Sixers and the Bucks, and it was mm-hmm. Embiid and it was him. And there were these moments where we got to see Ben Simmons in these games, and we went, "Huh, like maybe he's a guy who can actually hang around with them." I don't think anybody can stop Giannis, but I do feel like if we're remembering the Wiggins thing, right, just from a finals ago, where everyone had written Wiggins off, he was one of the worst contracts in basketball. We mm-hmm. weren't really sure, you know, what he was going to be. He was taking heat over the vaccine scene in that summer it was just the Wiggins arc got so bad and so low and then all of a sudden he's in the finals and he's just he's fitting in perfectly and the defense is there and again Giannis is a totally different piece I just mm-hmm. keep thinking with Ben Simmons that all of this like talk has been about his offense and how he looks and whether he'll shoot and it feels like we've forgotten a little bit just how good this guy was defensively when we last saw him play no, that's a really good point. That's a really good point. He's definitely somebody that can that can spend some time on him. I just think you need more. You know what I mean? Oh, they definitely do. 
Uh, you need a lot more. You need what the Raptors had and a time machine to make it a less evolved Giannis. <laughs> like, that's pretty much what you need. A time machine and the Raptors cast of wing players from 2019. Um, so, yeah, I guess I'm a little optimistic about them. I don't know if anybody beats the Bucks this year. Just I, I, I'm high on them, too. I, I really mm-hmm. like their team. But if we're going to go a little deeper and say, okay, we know who the main contenders are. What is your cutoff line for sleeper team? Like, who is the the lowest team you could see actually win the championship this year? Oh, that's a good question. Okay, let me think about that. So, our teams that are, I, I would say probably Denver. Is, okay. But is Denver so, yeah, a you sleeper have Denver. team or are they a contender? I think that Denver's a contender. I have them for me a contender. contender. And then I'll tell you which team I think is, like, you know, most likely to be able to sneak in there. I think that Brooklyn still gets to count as a contender because I think you have okay. Kevin Durant, you have Kyrie and Ben Simmons. So you can still like, I can see it. Basically a contender is like, could I see you actually win a championship this year realistically without me having to make like a ridiculous case? Like, I don't think Miami's in that class anymore. I, I just think that they they're out. They, they take a knee on being a contender this year. The way I see it is it's the bucks. It's the nets. Mm-hmm. It's the Sixers in the East. I have Denver golden state, the Clippers, and uh, do I have my entire list there? Yeah, I think so. I think that's uh, – I kind of have uh, – my fringy tier of contenders mm-hmm. includes Memphis, and then I have – this is my lowest one. I have the Celtics too. That's the team I missed on the okay. list. Uh, the Celtics, but the lowest team I have is Cleveland. Could Cleveland win? Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. Well, give me your Cleveland case. Okay, my Cleveland case is this. I think Rubio is going to be good for this team. He comes back. He joins this team. I've always been just a huge Rubio guy. I think that he just fits in with this group. Um, They give Garland the extension. They bring in Mitchell. And all of a sudden, I just really like that backcourt. They also signed Robin Lopez. And I know that sounds like, oh, who cares about Robin Lopez? But when they had the Jared Allen injury last year, it was just very clear that they had no depth there. So I like that they actually have at least an extra body. Like, right, if we're talking Mm -hmm. about, hey, the goal is to keep Giannis away from the rim and to stack the paint and have guys that can bang with Embiid, I just like the combination of Evan Mobley, or Evan Mobley, uh, Jared Allen and having Robin Lopez to just be able to throw in there for the odd minute or two in the playoffs. I just I like the way that their backcourt can score. I thought there was way too much on Garland last year. They're just mm-hmm. sort of the team too that feels like I don't think that they have another like major move in them, but that all the pieces that are going to be around the orbit of a guy like Donovan Mitchell are all just going to be a little bit better. I love Evan Mobley. I think it's probably a little too soon, but like would it shock you if in a couple of years we're having, like, where does Evan Mobley stack as among the best players in the NBA conversation? Like, how fast... I mean, we can have that conversation. Like, we might have that conversation this year. That's what I'm saying. So how fast does that happen? And so that's why they're mm-hmm. kind of like my cutoff line is I can squint and I can see it. And, yeah, it's an Eastern Conference where I have to pick against James Harden and Doc Rivers in the playoffs. I have that Giannis team that still doesn't feel like they're overly deep, that they're an injury away from being what they were last year. We have the Celtics that are very much in flux, who I still like, but I also want to see how things play out there. I I don't think that the East is just, like, toppling over itself with contenders. Okay, I like that. Maybe Cleveland could sneak through. Um, They also, they're going to have a really good balance of offense and defense. It all kind of just – it comes down to Darius and, and Mobley's growth. Like, I almost feel like Donovan – we'll see how he fits there and stuff, but I think it's a good fit for him. Um, but he is almost like a constant at this point in terms of, like, you know what you're going to get from him. 
I just like that he can score in the playoffs too. Like he's the one guy that I know mm-hmm. if they give the ball to late, he's going to be able to create for himself. He's done it in the postseason yeah. already, and now he's around a better team. He'll probably be more invested. And I don't know if – I think one of their bigger questions is, does he try to – just be the man like does he have a power struggle with the other players Mm. in terms of the hierarchy of the team I don't know if he will like it just feels like to me like they've got a higher upside Atlanta Hawks vibe from uh what like seven eight years ago when they had when they had the four all-stars that weren't all really all-stars that they're like a better version of that with guys who can be better that they don't have like the one guy they're gonna have four guys and I just I think it can work like I I really like Cleveland I I like their bench Mm -hmm. I like their starters. I like that they have guys that can score in crunch time that are in the guard position, and I think they they have a big who has a tremendous amount of upside. Like, I just, again, I can squint and see it work. And I don't think Donovan's that type of guy. I think even if he does come in and take over, take a leadership role, it'll be something that's probably welcomed. Like, you say Ricky Rubio, for example, right? I think he was that guy for them until he got hurt. And the unfortunate thing with, you know, leadership in the NBA and and almost anything is, like, I think your investment level – and how much you're producing will inevitably kind of play into how much people listen to you. So at the end of the day, like if you're an injured player, I remember Iguodala kind of said this, like, you know, when he was hurt, it's like when you're injured, like, yeah, you're in the locker room, but like, you're just, you just can't use your voice the same way, you know? And I think like having, having Mitchell's voice there, I think will be helpful because he is a bona fide star and he is going to have authority no matter what, but he's not necessarily the type that will abuse it. He's just kind of like one of the more emotionally intelligent stars in the NBA. Yeah, I, I, I really can't wait to watch Cleveland. I think that if I was doing league pass rankings, they they definitely start off the year as one of my highest teams. Um, okay, so is there any team on that list then that I that I didn't list that you think could do it? Because you said your cutoff line is Denver, so I'm guessing no, that, that you're um, yeah, less optimistic about the chances for some of those you know, upper-class, middle-tier teams. I, yeah, I don't think so. You know, I think the, the NBA is has been as like as wide open as it's ever been, but it's also like a league that's you know talent talent wins above all else. Uh, if you made me pick a team, you didn't have the Suns in there, so uh, I think I would maybe go with the Suns. Uh, but I, I don't believe in the Suns. It's just that you didn't have them in there. You know what I mean? Well, I didn't have them in there because when I was prepping for this with you, I also texted you disaster teams, and the Suns are my ah. disaster team. I just, I Chris Paul is one of my three favorite they're players ever. Um, they're just like I love Chris Paul. I am a Chris Paul apologist to the core. Um, I like he's. I think the first time I actually ended up buying League Pass was to watch more Chris Paul. Um, I just think the league has figured out that how to attack him and that last mm-hmm. year's playoffs were not going to be some sort of an aberration. I see the DeAndre Ayton stuff from the off season where they went, oh, we don't really want you, but we can't just let you go for nothing. So here's money, and I hope it works. And he sort yeah. of showed up at media day and was like, yeah, uh, whatever. I'll play this out. I just didn't really like that. Uh, I love Devin Booker. I think he's a phenomenal player. Um, I love Bridges. I loved that team last year. I picked them to go the entire way, but now I'm looking at them and I, I just see Aiton being upset. Um, mm-hmm. 
a lot of the load still on Chris Paul. Like, it's still campaign as the backup point guard. What, like, who else is taking it from Landry Shamit? Like, I don't trust either of those guys in a regular season with Chris Paul. And I just think Chris Paul is explosive. Aiton, the situation is explosive. Um, yeah, they're going through ownership dysfunction. I, I just think that Phoenix is a powder keg, and they're going to take a step back, and maybe Chris Paul realizes essentially like his career is over. I just I think they're going to blow up, and I, I don't think it's going to be good. Okay. I'm here for this. Um, I'm going to give a bit of a counter take here. Okay. I don't disagree with anything that you're saying. I would not be surprised if that's how it went. So Chris Paul has now gotten to this place where he's in his third year of the team. Chris Paul is kind of like, he's like the Tom, Tom Thibodeau of NBA players. Yes. You know, like when you hit the third yes. year, the players just get kind of sick of it, right? I know. And then I defend um, him. It's everyone else's <laughs> fault. It's never Chris's fault. <laughs> Including now. They should have gotten a backup point guard. I'm already that's already the the escape clause for any Chris Paul criticism after this thing blows up. Um <laughs> So you're like where where do you actually fall on Chris Paul then? Oh, I mean I've always loved him. I just think that what you said is right, that he is the Tom Thibodeau. Like he came in there okay. to Phoenix at the perfect time. They needed mm-hmm. some stability. They needed some structure. They had talent that was on the rise. He completely unlocked Aiton. But, but remember that that run before Giannis got to Aiton? We were having insane Aiton conversations in terms of like where we were ranking him amongst the, the game's most valuable young stars. And now yeah. it was like an offseason where people went, Aiton's available, and the Pacers went, I guess. And then no one else did anything. The Nets were completely unmoved by a trade package that involved him. No one was interested in Aiton. I... I've loved Paul. His career is incredible. I can't remember who it was that wrote the the piece that stuck with me forever about it's like it's actually someone from the ringer Ben Solak that wrote this piece on uh, Russell Wilson and how he can't uh, see the middle of the field from the pocket and it's his Achilles heel. And someone else, I think it was from the ringer or Grantland back in the day, wrote a piece about Chris Paul and trying to win with a, a, a guard as your best player who's six feet tall. And I just think that, yeah, he's worn out throughout his career, but that also extends to his welcome where, yeah, you put him in a spot like his first year in OKC or his first year in Phoenix, and it's great. But, yeah, come year three, I think he starts to wear on people. I think it's tough to be at work with someone that expects perfection every single day and doesn't let anything go. And I just think that's mm-hmm. kind of, that's his Achilles heel is the search for what made him be able to be one of the best basketball players on the planet at like six feet tall is also the thing that kind of holds him back from long-term success, which is he just, he cannot let the flaws of other people go. And there's probably even a part of him, if I really get like existential about it, that like looks at the talents of everybody else in the NBA and like the, the, the size, the stature, the athleticism, and he just like resents it and just won't, won't let it be yeah i remember i have i have this like really just like completely unconfirmable like but just theory in my own mind that that you're right about that i remember uh listening to him on jj reddick's podcast and i feel like those two kind of like they were they were sort of stealth bonding over how difficult it is and how skilled you have to be to be uh, a smaller player in basketball and if you kind of look at how he, like, if there's one sort of archetype that he is always graded, it's, it is his big man, right? Like, the, the, it's a big man he, he tends to have an issue with in, in most of his stops. So um, I like where you're going with that. So my thing with Phoenix is I don't necessarily think that they are going to be great, but I also feel like a lot of people are saying that they are going to be, like, what you call the disaster team. And 
there are a few things that could save them from that. So the ownership situation, like, you know, no, nobody likes when they when you don't know who the next boss is going to be. But at the same time, that's still better than when Sarver was your boss. Like, no matter what, that situation That's a tough is, look for Sarver. No, no infrastructure better than you. True. It is, yeah. but it's just like, tough. I would it's rather, tough. yeah, I would rather take like the the chaos of like a, of an unruled state over like the Sarver dictator, dictatorship. You know, 100%. like that is that is definitely preferable. Um, Mikhail Bridges improving a year older. DeAndre Ayton, despite everything that's happened, improving a year older. Also seems pissed off. You know. And I think there is absolutely no way that they're going to be able to get away from reorienting some of the offense around him because of Chris Paul's age, because of what happened in last play- yes, last year's playoffs. Devin Booker, just a year closer to, to like the apex prime. You know, like at the end of the day, like, yes, Chris Paul is definitely, he is, he is getting older, but this is a team full of young players who are very, very good. Like Mikhail Bridges is a guy who could be like a borderline all-star one day. You know, Cam Johnson is probably going to be a year better. Uh, I don't love that they lost Jay Crowder, but I think that they can almost – I think they can make up for what they've lost. I just don't think that what they had was ever going to be good enough in the first place. Oh, that – you know, I, you got me all optimistic about the Suns, and I was so ready to tell you that – remember when I root against my own takes? That's not the case with the Suns and Chris Paul. And then you landed that at the end, and it hurt. <laughs> it stung. <laughs> it stung. That was death flow right at the end. Uh, okay, we, we have to ask, like, I got to ask you about the Raptors before you go. Um, mm-hmm. I don't even really know how to frame their season because it's such a weird one. Like, everyone last year was, hey, which direction are they going to pick? You know, are they going to compete? Are they going to mm-hmm. tank? Are they going to trade off guys? Are they going to do something? Malcolm Brogdon sort of sneakily dropped the other day that the Raptors tried to get him. And I went and looked at Malcolm Brogdon's contract again to make sure it was what I thought it was because would have involved moving someone of consequence. They're like, the rumors around them are never concrete. They're always just kind of like little whispers of mm-hmm. you think it's another team leaking something. But they still kind of are a team where everyone looks at them to me and goes, well, Scotty Barnes needs to take a big step this year. And I go, that's a lot of pressure on Scotty Barnes' shoulders. They didn't really do anything this offseason. I, I, I mm-hmm. Like, this is kind of open-ended and vague. But yeah, what is your feel about them heading into the season? Um... I feel like they're kind of going to be almost the exact same team they were last year, just exactly. based on what I've seen in the preseason so far. Well, that makes sense because all they did was sign Otto Porter and draft a seven-footer in the second round. Yeah. Oh, like, sorry. I, they I signed the, they... the guy from the Adam Sandler movie, too, uh, Hernan Gomez. <laughs> I forgot about that. And I'm definitely not – I definitely love all the tweets every time he moves tweeting Bo Cruz. It's the best. I love them. Those are great tweets. Everyone should keep them coming. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I, I wouldn't be surprised if they jumped two or three wins this year, which, by the way, would put them at 50 wins. So it's not like that would be a bad – like, you know, this is, a, this is a young team that still doesn't really know what it is. The fact is that they just have a lot of players who know how to win on the team. So that so I almost feel like their regular season win total gets goosed a little bit just because they have all these games. Like last year, it's like they have they have – scoring droughts and then they have these times when they're just it's it's impossible to score on them and they have these really lopsided messy games and for the most part in the end they somehow just win the game and you're just sort of left there being like how did that happen I'm really confused and I think it comes down to like specific key plays I think it comes down to like Fred Van Veep being really smart and like Siakam 
really hustling and Nick Nurse just being a really good in-game tactician where they're, I feel like this is a team, like, let's say they wanted to go the other direction, they wanted to tank. I feel like that would be hard for them purely because, like, Impossible. the people that they have are good at what they do. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, um, they'd have to strip it down. Like, they would, it would require, like, multiple layers of trades. Um, it's, yeah, I think that they're, they're in a really mm-hmm. – I don't think it's a tricky spot because you're right. Like, the team is good, and if they did want to pivot – um, they'd be able to do so in a heartbeat, and they hit on the Scotty yeah. Barnes pick. I think the the real question, though, is you've got all these guys who are going to need contract extensions very soon in Siakam, OG right away, mm-hmm. Fred right away. And mm-hmm. I think that there's almost like this patience from the fan base, like, don't worry, they're young and they're figuring out. It's like, no, S- Scotty Barnes is young. He's figuring it out. The rest of the core yeah. feels like there are just like big decisions looming. And so – Part of me goes, yeah, your season can just be a couple of wins better and no one's going to be mm-hmm. all that upset about it. But the other part of me goes, okay, so you burnt a year of all these guys' deals and now you've kind of got to figure it out going into this you know, world of what the hell are NBA contracts going to be moving forward with this new TV deal. So I just, yeah, yeah I just, I think they're in a weirder place than most people realize given just like the, the age of the core core and then the separation between that and Scotty Barnes. And like the, the reality is that like, there's not a real for the first time in a really long time. It's just, I don't really know what the, the measure of success is outside of development of Scotty from like a team standpoint. It just feels very muddy to me what that is. I think there's specific things for like, I think, you know, your point is well taken. Their timeline has has become, it's, it's a little bit all over the place now. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think there's specific things you can take, like just from a you know player development perspective. Is OG and Siakam, we're going to see continued improvement for them. Siakam's three, we've been talking about it for a while, so kind of waiting to see it. Uh, with OG, it's kind of like, you know, is he going to kind of continue to take steps as a decision-maker, ball handler, and all those things. Um, and we have, like, you know, you have like Precious Achua just becoming, I don't, even know, I don't even know, I'm so, I'm so excited about Precious Achua. Uh, so and I think this has kind of been like the Maasai formula pretty much since he's been here of like internal player development, you know, be patient, wait for the right move, but you know, have, have the bullets for when it, it comes to you, right? Like it could have been a Kevin Durant trade. I think it wasn't going to be a Donovan Mitchell trade. And I think that's smart. I honestly as excited. I am as I am about Cleveland. I was a little bit kind of down on the fact that they like, you know, they kind of abandoned their youth movement. I feel like they might have cashed in a little bit too early. You don't necessarily want to do that either. I think the Raptors are in a situation right now where they're like they're a lay and wait team, right? Like maybe maybe the Kevin Durant situation once again sours and that becomes an option. Or any num- we've been talking about drama this whole time. Anybody can decide that they're unhappy in any moment. And I think the Raptors are really well positioned as a team that could make a deal for a guy who might not be necessarily as good as Kevin Durant. Like the problem with the Kevin Durant trade is that once you trade him, you can't win a championship trade for him. You can't win a championship anymore. Cause you got to give up way yeah. too much. Maybe that changes in a few months, right? Like if the situation Brooklyn really sours, they're not going to have as much leverage either. Right. The Raptors, I think are really well positioned to make a deal that could turn them into a contender. And if not, then they still have this good team and they can, can they can kind of afford to keep kicking the can down the road. Yeah, see, it's funny because I think the Raptors fans are the number one fan base that hates whenever people do trade machine stuff because they, you know, it's just say, I'll say it, they tend to a lot of times overvalue the players, which is fine. You know, you love your own team. It is what it is. 
But yet it's it's like the guy, the GM who I picture the most on the trade machine at times with his roster is Masai. <laughs> you know, like it's like yeah. I I picture him by far the most going, yeah, don't you guys remember how I won? I traded people that you loved. Uh, I traded a player that you loved maybe more than anybody to go out and get who I thought yeah. could help me win a title. And so I think you're bang on that this is the way. It's It's stacking. It's making sure that you have as many good players as possible. Uh, who, yeah, have different contracts, different timelines, making sure you keep all your draft picks and, and remaining poised. Because I just, personally, I, I don't see how they get to where we all know Masai wants to be with the roster the way it is, even with, like, the most optimistic ideas about uh, player development. Uh, Sirit, I kept you way longer than I told you I was going to. Oh, so, okay. yeah, the, the the prediction that turned out to be wrong was that. Uh, thanks so much for making time today. Uh, you know I appreciate it. I love catching up. Thank you. That was fun. Sportsnet 590. 590. The fan. So happy the NBA is here. God, I love basketball. A little sweet slate to start things off, too. Talking about our picks tonight, Jobo and I, during the break. All right, Jobo, what do we miss today? What's going on? Well, everyone saw it last night, but there's some news today. The Yankees and the Guardians. Yeah. ALDS, winner plays Houston, obviously, postponed last night, but the news is coming out today that the reason that they postponed it was because a new band of storm popped up in New Jersey, and then they thought that it was going to come over New York, so they said, okay, first pitch is going to be closer to like 10.30, so now it's going to be too late. we got to postpone it. They set it for 4 p.m. today. Uh, Nestor Cortez starting for the Yankees, Aaron Savali for the Guardians. Does this all seem a bit fishy to you, or Mm, how you feel? I want to say yes, because... I love the idea that the Yankees are pulling strings and crying and they wanted an extra day for Cortez and they want an extra day for Clay Holmes, the only reliable guy in their pen. I should say Peralta has been reliable for them too. But um, I have two things on this. One is I far be it for me to question future Toronto Blue Jays manager Terry Francona, but man. You're really going to throw Savali out there when you got Bieber on an extra day's rest and he was already petitioning to go? This has been one of the stories of the playoffs is, hey, maybe we baby starters just a little too much. Maybe we should exit the babying era. Old Blake Murphy hit me with an awesome stat about the teams that are left or the teams that didn't baby their starters that let them run and have good starting pitching. So I don't know if my season's on the line. I know that he can probably get in this ball game and it might happen an inning or two in or whatever the hell. And Savali stinks. You put him in or Savali gives you one time through the order. Then you go Bieber. I just I'm starting with Shane Bieber. I want, if I'm a Guardians fan, to see Shane Bieber get the rock to start this baseball game. And whatever, it's a 4 o'clock game. It's only one extra rest. But, yeah, I think Terry's playing it a little too tight here, even though Savali was good. I can't play the conspiracy card because I just don't think that, yeah, as much as I hate the Yankees, I don't think they control the weather. And I cannot imagine Major League Baseball had any more of a nightmare than putting a Yankees elimination game at 4 o'clock. Okay, so that's... That's just like the elimination of the conspiracy is Yankees at four the same day they're running out the year. Uh, I don't know if it's underwhelming. NLCS. Their NLCS is, the Phillies is going to carry it. But yeah, Padres, I don't know. doesn't feel like it's that, like that. Phillies Dodgers would have been big time. Phillies Padres feels a little bit smaller. A cool baseball hardo matchup. Um, if you like the Padres, nice to see the, Dodgers choke. I still stand on the corner of the Dodgers have not won anything. That was an asterisk World Series that they won. Fakest World Series ever. 
Um, if you want to say that's why the Dodgers aren't chokers, fine. But no, the only reason that the Lightning are World Series, or sorry, the Lightning are Stanley Cup champions, they so repeated, and now feels like even the LeBron Lakers title in the bubble. Like, okay, hmm. Who did LeBron? Let's look back at who LeBron beat. Everyone loves looking back at the, who the Raptors beat. It was the Trailblazers, the Nuggets, uh, obviously the Heat in the finals. Uh-huh. And it was some beat-up teams, too. Yeah, it was trash. They walked their way to a bubble title that LeBron pushed for. Hmm. Just saying. I so, do remember after the Blazers won game one, people said, oh, they're going to get upset, no. and then they won the next four. Just saying that Lakers title is pretty suspect, too. Um. Anyway, um... No conspiracy, excited for the game. For me, I love that it's at 4 o'clock because now we have sports at 4 and it breaks things up a little bit. But, yeah, I'll probably be watching a lot more hoops tonight than I will be watching uh, the San Diego game. Anyways, what's next? I will add Savali against the Yankees. 26 innings pitched, allowed 28 hits and 14 runs in his career. 14 earned runs in his career. So he's been getting torched by the Yankees. Yeah. How long does that extend back, though? A couple years. Yeah. Yeah. Because... Yeah, here, here's the thing. That stat, Joe, that becomes hyper-relevant if he gets shelled tonight yeah, and it cost them exactly. their season. They could have had Bieber, and he comes out of the pen after yeah. two innings of him getting worked. He has been really good since he came off the mm-hmm. IL, and he returned, I think, his last like four or five starts. He's been dynamite. But I still think this is a bit of an overthink by Terry. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned the NBA. Inside the NBA yeah. is back on TNT. All My four members show. of the show, Ernie Johnson, Charles Barkley, Shaquille yeah. O'Neal, and Kenny Smith, yeah. have all inked extensions with Warner Bros. to stay together for years to come. Yeah. No numbers officially released, but reports suggest it's in the neighborhood of at least the next eight years. So there's going to be a lot of entertainment for the next bunch of years. 17 yeah. Emmy Awards for that show. How excited yeah. for are you for it to come back? I'm, I'm so excited because it just... Listen, Charles Barkley is the industry standard he's no one can compare themselves to him, but he is so great at leveraging himself up for new contracts. He did the whole live tour thing or maybe I'll go or, and he talks always like, maybe I'll retire. I could be out of here. And everyone wants Chuck. Everyone wants Chuck because Chuck is not afraid to actually speak his mind. And that's really reflect refreshing given where we're at with discourse right now, where everybody's afraid to say anything all the time. Right. It's a lot of coward talk out there, and especially in sports media where it's not supposed to be coward talk. Um, that crew is above it. That crew is not afraid. They do not play scared. And guess what? It resonates. They have experience. They have talent. They're funny. It's the perfect show. Everyone looked at that $200 million like, oh, my God, $200 million for those guys? That's a lot of cash. And then I think, well, what about that Lord of the Rings show that spent billions of dollars and puts me to sleep every single time I try? And then the Morgoth in the Morador. And... <laughs> snooze fest and then the troll in that don no i've tried to watch that show eight times i haven't got through five seconds of it it's just immediate nap zone that show 80 86 thumbs down all right sorry dorks and i like lord of the rings all right i stand on the corner i loved it when old legolas jumped up on that troll's dome and just started ripping arrows into his skull that was sick a thousand years ago all right now sucks that show sucks that show sucks and sucks bad. I don't care how pretty a show. Oh, it's show so pretty. Anyway, that's <laughs> give the NBA guys that money because that show's harder to do. It's way better than Lord of the Rings stink bomb show. <laughs> um, we got anything else? We got 
30 seconds. We got James Corden being a menace. Got, oh, yeah. Got banned from Balthazar's okay. in New York City. All but. right. <laughs> Let me just say, listen, I, I, I'm i not a James Corden guy. Corden guy. Every time I see his stuff, carpool, it's all cornball city to me. Um, don't love it at all. I think he's, yeah, when I talk about like virtue signal content, that's the king of it. Um, that said, there's nothing more fun than seeing the guy who's like, I'm Mr. Nice, get exposed as a total fraud jerk. Like, of course he's that. Multiple occasions. Yeah, that's what I mean. Multiple he, occasions. And I love that the also the restaurant owner used the term I had to 86 him. I went, that's sweet. You're cool. Anybody who says I 86 someone is cool. That's a cool thing to say. I'm going to start saying 86. I'm 86ing us from the show. Uh, we'll see you tomorrow.